This is episode 39 of the Landscape Photography Show, and on this episode, we have special guest Dustin Lefever. And Dustin is a Utah photographer, and Utah is one of those places that I've been. I've never really explored that much, but after talking with Dustin for an extensive period of time, both recorded and off the record, I guess, it's one of the places that I moved up on my list of locations to go visit just because you could tell the love he had for the place the interesting locations that he knew of and it's one of those places that I always see photos of but then it moves to the back of my mind well not anymore and not only that but in this episode we talk about kind of self-awareness and I was really taken aback and impressed by Dustin's ability to be self-aware where he wanted to be with his photography and maybe some considerations that some of us should have on if we actually want photography to be something that is the sole responsibility of paying our bills. Do we want to do it full-time? Sure. But should we actually do it full time and still get enjoyment out of it? It might cause you to stop and really think about what that means to you. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? We're here with Dustin Lefevre, and Dustin joins us from Utah this morning. I made him get up out of bed, even though he's a self-proclaimed night owl. So, Dustin, first of all, thank you for waking up and joining us. And second of all, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here, even, uh, even if it is a little early for me. You know, you sound a little tired, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> um. It, I might just, it just could be my voice. Do you have enough coffee? I have not drank enough coffee, but I have enough with me. All right. Coffee of choice is what? I, I am not that picky about my coffee, but it has to have cream and sugar. Really? Yeah. So I grew, I mean, I haven't drank coffee for very, you know, for my whole life. I grew up uh, a Mormon. And it wasn't uh, a taste I'd acquired until, you know, uh, well into my 20s. So maybe that's it. Maybe I just haven't acquired that uh, discerning coffee <laughs> taste yet. Are Mormons not allowed to drink coffee? No, no. So it's not like a huge part of the culture in Utah. Really? Yeah. I feel like that needs to catch on. The the Mormonism, the coffee drinking. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I definitely should. I think, I mean, a lot more people are drinking coffee now than they were here, you know, twenty years ago. But it's just, it's not as big of a cultural thing here as it is in you know other places. So you grew up in around the Salt Lake City area. Kind of give us uh, some background on how you actually got started in photography and then even jumping into the landscape genre. Okay, yeah, that's uh I feel I grew up in the uh 
small town in a rural town called Lake Point, west of Salt Lake, kind of in the foothills of the mountains there. And I spent most of my childhood just playing in those mountains, hiking, camping, uh, riding motorcycles, four-wheelers with my friends. And uh, when I look back, I kind of always had, you know, photography. I look, when I was 16, I was taking photos of, you know, the bark on the trees at sunset and things like that. Um, my mom always had a camera and I think that's probably kind of rubbed off on me and it gives me a way to express myself, you know, artistically, which I think we all have that desire. And, uh, it also, for me, the thing about photography that really keeps, <laughs> uh, that really gets me is the, it gets me to see nature in its best light. And by that, I mean, it's going to get me to go farther into nature and it's going to get me to get up for sunrises, which I'm not a, you know, not a morning person, but <laughs> I've never regretted getting up, you know, to, to watch a sunrise or to photograph a sunrise. And, but it's not something I would probably do if I didn't have a camera with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. What did your mom teach you about photography? <sighs> My mom was more of a uh, a snap shooter, so okay. she was she her focus was mostly just taking pictures of us. But uh, like, I think it was just that uh, she always had a camera, so it made me feel comfortable, you know, always having a camera. She was, you know, always there to to give advice or to talk to. She was really good about things like that. Or, and the, I think the biggest thing was she was just very um, supportive in anything I ever did. So if I wanted to be a photographer, she was she was there to support me, she, you know, let me use her camera, things like that. I think that was the, the most important thing. You know, a lot of people don't have that support system if they, you know, go to college, get a degree, come back and say, you know what, I'm just going to quit and be a photographer. <laughs> I mean, that, that support has to be really comforting for you. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's i uh, I've always been pretty lucky with, uh, with, with everybody supporting, you know, whatever decision I've made. So I've been very fortunate with that. What does that support mean to you in terms of the creative process? Is it beneficial or does it put a little bit more pressure on you? I mean, I, I, it's gotta be beneficial. I think I can't think of any way that that would, uh, that that would hamper me to be able to have that, uh, freedom and know that I'm going to have the support no matter what decision I make. I think that's got to help my creativity. Before you jumped into digital photography, what, what kind of camera were you using back then? So I, when I first started, I was using uh, my mom's camera. I think she had some, it was a Minolta with a super zoom, like, you know, the 28 to 200. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when in high school, I, you know, probably most of us took a photography class in high school, but I ended up buying a Nikon N70 with the same, you know, super zoom that I had been using. So the mm -hmm. 28 to 200. 
from Inkley's in uh, Salt Lake. And I, it was kind of right before digital took off. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I got quite a bit of use out of it, but then, you know, life happened, college, everything, and photography kind of got expensive. So yeah. I kind of put the camera down for a while, which is really unfortunate because I was living in Alaska to go into going to college. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> obviously that place is incredible. I, I probably had a little point and shoot or something up there, but a little uh, digital camera, but it was such a bummer to not have a camera. Maybe that's uh, not having a camera in that amazing place for so many years. Maybe uh, is really what jump started my uh, desire to have a camera when I got back and never not have a camera again. Is that a regret for you? Oh yeah. Yeah. When I, I, I think about it pretty often, like living up there, I worked on the train that took you from Anchorage to Denali. And I was just always seeing this incredible stuff, the wildlife, the mountains, it's just unreal. And I always wanted to have a camera when I was up there. I just couldn't really afford it at the time to really get into it, both, both time-wise and financially. And uh, I, I still haven't really gotten back up to make up for that. I, you know, so Alaska is still on my bucket list to photograph, even though I lived there for a few years. Okay, but how long is that bucket list? Like, I, I feel like we all have a bucket list, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> I it's always growing, right? So almost everywhere is on the bucket list. So I, it'd probably be easier to name places that aren't on it. But uh, <sighs> I don't know. Alaska, I think, is incredible. And now, uh, so my buddy, I've got a friend that lives up there. So I've got a place to stay and he's also a photographer. Mm-hmm. So the uh, dream <laughs> might uh, have some, it, you know, might come true sooner rather than later now. But, you know, I was reading up on you before we jumped on the call um, and I read a little snippet that said that you met your wife by selling a lens on the local classifieds. Yeah. So, um, I need to hear this story. (laughs) I had actually just gotten a divorce uh, or, well, okay. I was going through a divorce. This wasn't finalized. And, uh, photography was becoming even more important to me at this point, just, you know, to keep my mind off of things. And, uh, I bought, I was looking for a macro lens and in Utah, we have the KSL classifieds. It's it's kind of like Craigslist. It's just a little more organized, but I found the lens I wanted. It was a, you know, a Tamron 90 millimeter 2.8. And I, so, you know, I messaged her, talked her down a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) but I went and picked up the lens from her and I, uh, just started talking to her, you know, came in, I saw she had photos on the wall. We were talking, she was kind of looking at uh, getting, going to micro four thirds or some mirrorless system from her Nikon. So she was selling her Nikon lens, but I, we kind of just hit it off a little bit. I was on my way to go see a movie. So I was kind of rushed. So she was probably like, who is this crazy guy? 
Um, but I just kept texting her. We texted for like a month and we ended up going out on a date, you know, like, so, I mean, it's, that's pretty awesome. The, that photography brought us together like that. And now, and then I ended up, uh, you know, a few years later living in that place with her that where I purchased that lens and <laughs> pretty interesting, I think. That's hilarious. <laughs> do y'all get look like when you share that story though, do you get looks of people like, uh, I don't know if I can trust anyone who got married via a site like <laughs> Craigslist. No, I mean, you know, meeting online is just how you meet now. Right. <laughs> that, that's true. This is very true. Maybe, maybe not the uh, same thing, but yeah, but now she won't let me buy lenses from any other women online. <laughs> <laughs> Does she still let you talk her down though? <laughs> I think, uh, I think her, uh, let me talk her down 25 bucks has paid off pretty well for her as well. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Just $25, man. <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't an expensive lens, but it, it, like she is, she's actually still in my phone as Emily Tamron lens. So <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, I just want to pause real quick and talk about today's sponsor for the podcast, and that's visualwilderness.com. If you head over to visualwilderness.com, you're going to see tons of information on how you can get better photo results as an outdoor photographer. I'm a contributor on that site, and what I do is create courses for your post-processing on there. And right now, all of my courses are 33% off for a limited time if you use the code David33 during checkout. You can check out the links to all of those and where to find them and how to get that 33% off if you go to davidjohnstonart.com slash podcast and look at the links under each of the show notes for the podcast. You know, I've done courses on there for like creative blending, realistic HDR photography and how to merge those, and even Lightroom for landscape photography if you struggle in learning Lightroom. So again, 33% off for a limited time if you use David33 during checkout. And you can find the notes and the links to that if you go to davidjohnsonart.com slash podcast. Now, we're all going through, you know, the whole crisis of COVID-19 while we're recording right now. Um, kind of the, the pandemic that's ravaging the economy and the health system. Um and a lot of photographers I know right now are kind of struggling with some of their business plans that they had in 2020. Uh, but I want to know your thoughts on how this is going to impact photography business on your end, even if, you know, you don't have huge plans or you did have huge plans. How does that impact your photography business moving forward once this is all done? Well, it's definitely impacted my, uh, my plans and I can definitely see it from, from my friends and colleagues, you know, like they're getting tons of cancellations all at least through this year. I don't know how, you know, I don't think there's been a lot of cancellations for next year yet, but we had, you know, I think, uh, we're, I'm a co-organizer for the outsiders photography conference, which had to be postponed, um, from March and we've got. Time will tell how uh, that's going to affect our conference in 
October in the Telluride. But I mean, I have hope that as soon as this is all, you know, over and back to normal, that people are going to be itching to get out again, you know, and uh, I think things will come roaring back if we are able to get a treatment or something for this, but definitely negatively impacting everything for now. (laughs) Um, Most of, I mean, a lot of my photography business is workshops and it's just not happening right now. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one. I'm, I'm really fortunate that I don't have to rely on photography for my income, which relieves a lot of stress for me, but I know there's a lot of photographers out there that are hurting and, you know, my heart goes out to them. So. Did you make the decision not to do photography full time or is that something you aspire to do? I, yeah, that's, well, it's kind of, it's a little bit of both. So I, in high school, I thought, yeah, I really want to be a photographer. And uh, some somewhere along the line, that kind of went by the wayside. I was going to be a pilot. So I was, I was flying all the time, getting my pilot's license, everything. And then as I was a pilot, I, I'm hearing these air traffic controllers on the radio. And I'm like, what, like, that interests me. What is that? So I looked into that and my uh, girlfriend at the time had an air traffic controller next door. So got talking about that. And we ended up, uh, both of us, my, me and that girlfriend moving to Alaska for, um, to go to college to be air traffic controllers. And uh, somewhere along the line, you know, photography kind of became more of a backup than the main career. And, and I, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm really happy it did. I like, because photography for me anyway, like I, I don't want it to be something that I have to rely on. I think that's going to really hurt my, hurt my joy that I get out of photography. If I have to rely on that it's going to affect the way I photograph. It's going to affect the reasons I photograph. And I like, <laughs> I like photography right now and I don't want it to become just a job, if that makes sense. So it, it is a conscious decision even, uh, even now, but right now I, I love my, my day job. So, you know, photography still could become more, you know, as I get closer to retirement or something, but for now, I, I just want it to be a hobby. Do you think more people need to think along those lines when they say, I do want to do landscape photography full time? I think they need to consider it. Um, it's definitely not for everybody. Like there's people that do it and love it still and that are great. I just don't think that I can be one of those people. So if, if you're somebody that doesn't mind, you know, like having the business push your creativity and you don't think that's going to hurt you or you don't care if it hurts you, then, then it's fine. I, I'm not judging anybody or anything. I don't think it's a bad decision to do photography. It just, I just don't think it's for, for me for a living anyway. Yeah. I think it's definitely a talking point that a lot of people do need to consider because they see the end result of everything and they see the, the rainbows and, and glory days of traveling and getting out to take the sunrise and sunset shots every single time and not being, I mean, if you don't like, 
just sending emails and networking and it it all and advertising and all of that fun stuff about running a business like that's that's most of a photography business not not the fun fun parts that you see so it's uh <laughs> yeah definitely something you need to consider i what led what led you to start co-organizing conferences for for landscape photography um so the four of us kind of came together we've we've been friends we've all been shooting together um who are the four to to background this for anybody listening yeah good point um so there's uh ryan smith david swindler and uh, phil monson so we're all utah photographers now and we've been shooting and uh ryan you know david runs a really successful uh you know photography uh, business down in Kanab. Ryan, you know, sells a bunch of prints. He's really successful with workshops and uh, he's done a a smaller photography conference here a few years ago. We all just kind of came together and uh, decided that a a conference is like, is a really good way to bring a bunch of like-minded people together, you know, in a way that we can learn. And it's, it's a different way of learning from the workshops, like the high paced workshops that we would typically do where you're just go, go, go. And it's, we wanted something that was a little more relaxed, a little more, um, and it, a little more geared towards, uh, like a slower pace of learning. Not mm-hmm. that that's, you know, because it's when you're out on a workshop, you're shooting sunrises, sunsets, Milky Ways, editing, and it's, it's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. I, we think that this benefits a lot of people to be able to to learn from this um, format, but and it's just do, awesome because we can bring in so many, you know, amazing instructors and into the same place and such a variety of learning, so many different perspectives. I think it'll be really, uh, really helpful. Yeah, that was going to be my question on on how do you go out and find and pick people to come and speak at these conferences and teach the smaller workshops that kind of go along with it. As you know, I mean, there's no shortage of incredible photographers, but when we're, we're looking for photographers that are, you know, that can offer something to the attendees. So I mean, it's, it's more than just photographers that take beautiful photos. It's ones that have, uh, have shown that they can uh, get that message out through, you know, their teaching and workshops or whatever method that they've been doing. So, um, we get our lists, you know, of, of photographers that we all, you know, we bring our list to the group and we all, you know, have a meeting, talk about it. And then and that will just uh, reach out and see who who we can get, who's available, you know, photographers are all pretty busy. So, but it's, uh, it's about what they offer to the attendees and what, uh, and also, you know, who the, who we think would appeal to people, obviously that would want to come and meet these people and learn from them. Do you like presenting and public speaking? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I, it make, I'm just terrified of it. I, uh, <laughs> I know that's, uh, I should, you know, I, 
probably not the answer I should have when I'm uh, planning a conference, but it's, uh, I, I don't know, public speaking just terrifies me. It's, uh, I don't feel like I have that much, you know, I'm going to screw up somehow. Why is that the first thought that people <laughs> go to though? I don't know. Um, it's, it's what, like the number one fear, right? Of It of is. Most people for some reason. Yeah. Which logically, I know that's crazy, but <laughs> you know, like there's just this like overwhelming anxiety when I think of getting up here in front of the in front of the crowd i feel like you know when i do it it's fine but it's just like like that buildup of getting to it that terrifies me and i just haven't done it enough i think to get over that here's here's like my mindset when i'm asked to present something to a photo group and i love public speaking like public speaking 101 was my favorite class in college and for some reason wow. i never like <laughs> nothing clicked in my brain where I was like, Hey, I should probably do this. Um, it's, they have reached out to you because they have the confidence in you to present on the topic that they want you to speak on. So like you have to carry that confidence over into your presentation because they have asked you to come give them information <laughs> on that topic. <sighs> Yeah, I, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I feel like I'm going to get, a, I'll, I'll act fine. I'll be fine up there. It's just, I have this, that's, I mean, good for you, man. That's awesome that, <laughs> <laughs> that you love it. And I like, I, I'm really impressed by that. And I just, I just don't have it. Maybe I just haven't developed it, you know, like. I'm uh, fairly introverted. I spend my time hiking around in nature. Like I just, <laughs> I haven't had a lot of chance for public speaking to get over this uh, irrational fear. Well, it's funny you bring up the word introverted because I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of people on the podcast of like their personality type, how they interact with people and how they interact with the landscape being out in nature by themselves why do you think landscape photographers just seem to fit this mold of one personality type predominantly? Yeah, it's definitely uh, pretty rampant, right? So <laughs> it's the real <laughs> pandemic going on. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you're, maybe is it photographers or, uh, Introverted or introverts are more likely to become photographers is, um, it's a tough one. So we spend all of our time, you know, kind of solitary or in small groups, hiking around in the middle of nowhere, not really involved with people. So maybe our, it's our introverted personalities that lead us to landscape photography for one reason or the other. So since we're comfortable being alone and comfortable being in these situations without other people, or maybe even, you know, uncomfortable not being in these situ you know, in situations alone, it leads us to express ourselves in a way, uh, through photography. Like, I mean, we're introverts. We still want to share. Right. So I mm -hmm. think, I think photography gives us a way to share our experiences 
in nature with other people without actually having to be with them. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it totally does. It, I mean, you've alluded to it throughout this talk of like, it's your creative outlet. It's your expression. What would happen? Do you think if you didn't have that, if you didn't have that outlet, I'd, I'd have another one. Um, I've, I've done a lot of other things, you know, growing up, I was always drawing or, you know, then I got into woodworking or I, you know, I, I'll find something else to do that to express myself. Just photography is my preferred method. So I think most of us are, we have that need to create something or, you know, to be creative. And if we didn't have photography, we would still have that need. So, I mean, I love photography, but I, I would love some painting or drawing or building furniture. So what advantages does the Utah landscape give you? Oh, tons. Uh, <laughs> have you been to Utah? I have. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's amazing. We've got everything here. So within a really fairly short drive, I can be in, you know, mountains, lakes, waterfalls, or, or desert, badlands, huge, um, like arches, canyon lands, it's endless. So no matter where I go, I can see amazing things here. I, I guess I should have prefaced that by saying when I went to Utah, I saw the benefits <laughs> when I was there. When I went to Utah, I was actually working during a uh, summer in college and I was a mover. I worked for a moving company. Um, and me and, and the other guy that were moving this house out were out in Salt Lake uh, and we were going to drive the guy back to Nashville. Uh, and, and right after we had finished, he said, let's go hike up that mountain. And it was just like a mountain. I mean, I'm from West Tennessee, so everything is just <laughs> totally flat right here. Um, so we, I mean, hiked up, it took hour and a half maybe. And just looking out, like you could see how different the landscape was just from where we were looking towards Salt Lake. And then you could turn around and see in the opposite direction, some of the mountains in the background. Does, I mean, do, do those mountains, like, do you have an advantage being right in them? to photograph them and know different spots that you can get to. Do you remember what hike you did? I don't know. I mean, it was like, was it even a trail? I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, I was just an idiot in college, man. I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it absolutely does. I think uh, having that right in my backyard. I'm looking at those mountains you're talking about right now out of my window. Mm -hmm. So I'm a 30 minute drive from being able to hike up those mountains and, you know, being able to visit the same place repeatedly is a huge advantage because you know what it's like in different seasons, different weather. Um, it get, I think with, being able to go, you don't want to go to the exact same place over and over and over. So you'll go, you branch out. Most people are going to hike up this trailhead to this lake. 
they're going to see that lake for and then but you if you are as a local you go to that lake you'll do the same thing the first couple times but then you start branching out you start you know going around the lake going to the other side hiking up what does it look like above the lake and that's something that just being a local gives you that uh, time advantage of familiarity to have the just just to have the time to be able to find different perspectives that you know like if if you go somewhere your first time you just don't have that so yeah i think it definitely gives you an advantage well he's dustin lefevre utah photographer air traffic controller <laughs> and everything above thank you so much for joining us dustin i really appreciate it wow thanks so much for having me on and uh can't wait to hear more of your podcast thank you <laughs>